Welcome to the Giggles Podcast, a podcast showcasing the works and talents of those who lost their gigs due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will feature a range of creatives from the Tri-State area who are young visionaries and who contribute to their craft despite the recent events that have happened. Join us today as our host Remy Leivovic speaks with Christopher Selman, the multi-instrumentalist, composer, and guitarist for New Jersey bands Feed Me to the Forest and Blue Vervain. You can check out his music and keep up to date with his projects in the bio of this episode. Enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Giggleist, the podcast that is about all those creatives and musicians and artists and performers who lost their gigs during the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we have Christopher Selman as our guest. Hey, what's up? How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, I always call you Selman. I always call yes. you by your last name. Yeah, m- most people do, so it's okay. So, I- I'm, not, I'm not against it, but yeah, yeah. I'm down for it. I feel like there's like a million Chris's in the world. There is. Um, it- it's definitely weird when a lot of people that have known me from years and years back all get together and then meet some of my other friends, friends in the scene or just friends in general. And then they hear everybody call me someone and like, why the fuck are they calling you? That? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't understand. <laughs> so, so tell our listeners about yourself, what you do. I know that you're a musician. Tell them about, you know, what you do, what you play. I am. I am a musician. I play four instruments, uh, mainly guitar, but I also play tenor sax, uh, synths, and um, banjo. Uh, I play in two bands. I play in Phoebe's of the Forest and Blue Vervain, and I'm still a student. I'm studying music production at Bergen Community College. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you're, but your main source of, one of your main sources of income was gigs gigs yes gigs and I had a job but now I have neither (laughs) yeah unfortunately what most people don't understand about at least having a creative lifestyle even if you're a level of professional you're always going to have that you know side job plus your gigs plus whatever else you're doing on the side for income and oh yeah definitely 100 (laughs) percent absolutely there's no way to really sufficiently survive off just gigs especially if you had to split it in between with your band members um who actually set the show up and everything yeah yeah it's it's a struggle so what instruments do you play so our audience can find out uh right i play guitar i play tenor saxophone i play like synthesizers and uh banjo i'm actually taught on a guitar though and I do know how to actually read music I do know music theory but all the other instruments well except for keyboards everything else is self-taught though yeah I want to hear you play banjo now you want to hear me play banjo I definitely want to hear you we need to definitely get you to play banjo and get and definitely go live on the Instagram with you playing banjo one day okay so cool I'd be down that'd be really that'd be really funny I feel like it's so underrated. I love it though. I love the sound of a banjo. It is underrated. And I, I don't really know how to play like any traditional like country or bluegrass stuff with it. I just kind of have it just to like fiddle around or, or if I could fit it into music, I'm like, oh, let me try to fit like something like this in here. 
but like it really is just an underrated instrument and more people should play <laughs> oh my goodness so when did you start playing music uh let's see i started i'm gonna go back to my memory i'm gonna say probably about 10 <laughs> probably about 10 i started taking guitar lessons um I took it up until my freshman year of college, actually. But along the way, I was in band classes all throughout middle school and high school. So that's where I picked up saxophone. High school, I even was in marching band. And then my senior year, I led marching band. So I've always been in, involved in music. I've been involved in music for probably like 22 now. I started at 10. Okay, so yeah, 12 years, I'd say, probably. Right. And so... I know that you mentioned earlier that you, you know you're at Bergen Community College and you changed your mu- your major to music. What was it before? I was in I was actually a radiography major, so I wanted uh... to do like radiology stuff. And by I wanted to do radiology stuff, it was like oh no, my mom wanted me to do that. I didn't really want yeah. to do that. And uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely it was not gonna work. <laughs> But that's like such a creative story is that like you always, we try, a lot of people try going for the thing that, you know, uh, society tells them to do, but then the creative person inside just like breaks out and is just like, you're not going to control me. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, my senior year of high school, um, my band director was like, his name's Mr. Nelson. He was like, listen, what are you going to do? Are you going to study music in college? And I said, no, probably not. You know, it's, it's not safe. You know, I, I would love to, but it's not a good idea. And he didn't say anything. He wasn't opposed to what I was going to do, but he did tap me on the shoulder and literally said, no, you're going to study music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not like in a forceful way. He's just like, you're going to study music. <laughs> oh my goodness. He knew. So, <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> so what does your typical gig look like then? Like, what do you, do you play what's like the average like do you play with a band do you play solo have you played like concert halls bars like what's what's the typical gig I'd say smaller places like places like Boon Tunes I played a lot but I've also played plenty of bars like Clash Bar wow why did I say plenty of bars that's the only bar (laughs) well then again I have played in Long Island I played um wow I'm not gonna be able to remember any names right now it's okay. I played Revolution Bar actually once. That was really cool. Um, but I mainly play with bands. I've tried to perform solo stuff before, but I kind of just do instrumental yeah. stuff solo. So I don't really tend to play that live very much at all. I do play with bands mainly, though. I've played basements a few different places. <laughs> But that's always good to know that there's a different range for your professionalism and for the listeners out there our main focus you know is again to interview creatives who have been affected by COVID-19 and that they like you know the income has for the most part ceased from that so like what is can you tell our listeners who have never been in this creative position and your creative position as a musician, what it's like with the buildup to a gig and, you know, how people, how bands really split uh, the money. <laughs> okay. You mentioned um, that earlier. <laughs> right. Um, well, so building to a gig, 
in, in in what way? You mean like what set list are we going to play? That type of stuff, or you mean how to get people there? Not how you get people there, but how do you? I guess for people that have never been into a show or people who don't know how smaller venues work, how does the band take home money from the say a bar or, or a smaller venue? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So typically the place itself will have account you need X amount of heads that need to be at said show, whether you're actually from the state bringing in people or if you're traveling. So when we played Brooklyn, they still said, okay, you still need to bring about 10 people once. And we did not bring 10 people, so we made no money. But <laughs> um but definitely have played and was told, yeah, you need X amount of heads and usually you've been able to bring that much and then a little bit more. It's like, okay, now you get paid after that. So unfortunately I have done a bit of a pay to play system in that and between gas, splitting it with everybody. Usually I just kind of relied on my actual job to be my income and then that would just get recycled back into the band fund yeah for so, whatever gas or if we made enough money where it's like okay we could kind of put this towards like recording or something else yeah yeah no but it's definitely um it's definitely like what that creative lifestyle is about is that you're always either working one job to support the creative side and then if the creative side gets big enough then it can support make that lifestyle but for the most part I know a lot of people and that's one of the reasons why we made this podcast is that a lot of people were just getting by because of gigs primarily and yeah. they had like a main job and they had like a day job and then they would have all these gigs and the gigs would help supplement a lot of the income yeah yeah definitely yeah. so so what's your most favorite gig like what's one of the most like favorite ones that you had a great time that you were enjoying yourself okay uh we played this was a feed me to the forest um we played a basement show in new brunswick at our friend fred's house i'm just currently forgetting the name of the house but the whole it was a specific show that was signed up with like a bunch of our friends that are also men's that we typically play Plum with Street? the scene it was near um no it's neat it was near college ave actually um so for oh context God. to our to, to our listeners new brunswick he means is Rutgers, new brunswick in yes. central jersey and there's a ton of college students that just lease out houses and then then they have what we call in america basement shows so shows in the basement and what they basically do is you know they bands perform in the basement you pay a cover that's another great way to get paid is actually by paying playing basement shows <laughs> actually that's probably the best possible way to get paid because usually almost all of it goes to the acts that yeah. are playing yeah. and it's not like x amount of heads or anything for that it's like nope this is going to you and it's really thoughtful and sweet and very grateful for those but my favorite show was definitely in January. 
of last year at at that specific basement show because we're on a bill with all of our friends and it was called like the big chungus show <laughs> so the entire show is a me and we're all like yo no this band is gonna take on big chungus <laughs> and it was just a shit ton of people and, oh my god we're all like no we're gonna fight chungus and everything and it, it was such a meme. I loved every minute this of man it. Is I really hurt my thumb <laughs> in, in this show. <laughs> I like dove in at one point and somebody was like coming up. <laughs> oh God. And you dove into right, the basement or into the crowd? It's no into the crowd. Dove like right into the crowd. It was it was a rowdy show. Oh my god! And I just felt my I felt my thumb just kind of go like back in. I was like, ah, not fun. Not fun. No, but like the next month, my thumb did not feel normal. But I was not going to go to the doctor. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I gave up. uh, I used to. I know that my dad listens to this podcast, but (laughs) I used to mosh when I was younger. And I, you know, when I basically turned 18, I, no, that's a lie. When I turned, like, I think it was when I, I think, yeah, I think it was, like, as soon as I turned, like, 21, I just stopped. I was just, like, there is a point, because I I knew somebody, I knew a girl that she basically, her ACL got messed up, and then she just got badly wrecked and it was just like that point where it was just like you know what I don't this might not be worth it (laughs) like I was just like it's not worth it like what are you doing at this point I mean I could get like if you're at a folk metal show and you're dancing to all the folk metal like polka music and everything and everyone's having a good time that's cool but like it's not a beat the shit out of each other type of crew what that yeah walls of death and all that other stuff like I'm I just got to the point where I'm just like, I am X years old. I can't, my body will not recover from this. And like, I don't get how people mosh without insurance. Cause sometimes you see like these older people <laughs> and it's like, you see these people that are like 20, you know, they're, they're 30 or 27. I'm like, you're not on your parents' insurance anymore. Like you're not on health insurance. Like what happens if you get like messed up? Like, you're paying that bill, you know? Yeah, literally. Oh, speaking of which, there was a time I was at the meat locker and somebody grabbed a ladder and just threw it on the ground. I was like, no, we're not doing this. Oh my we, God. We are not doing this right now. Like, I no. Mean, I went to the Slipknot um, Festival, the Knot Fest. Oh, this yeah. past summer. Oh, wait, I was there, actually. Was that at PNC? Yes. Yes, I was there. <laughs> we were all there, but we were spread out across the lawn. I was yeah. I was there with like Paul, Chris. This this is for our listeners. I was there with a Paul, Chris, the Eels of Love guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon, who has also been on our show, so I was there, and people were just, you know what? That was just that at that point. I was like, man, this is like dangerous because people were just throwing the lawn chairs people were throwing beers like the first like the first song that Slipknot went and played someone they brought they brought a stretcher to the mosh pit like that's how bad it was by the mosh pit I was at oh like God. bad like like you don't think when you're younger you're like oh I'm gonna be fine and then 
old when you're older and you're drinking and you're moshing like oof. it's like you know if i just turn this certain way i'm gonna be fucked my back is gonna go out or something like that like yeah and like 100 they, like, they were like make 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 way he's out he's down i'm like guys we we're like five minutes into the song <laughs> five minutes into the set what are you talking about oh god and and um i'm not surprised though that was a particularly vicious show (laughs) oh yeah like i saw so many like not even moshing just like actual fights take place at that gig yeah i was like yo you people need to relax (laughs) i saw a lot of fights take place at that show and for those of you who are listening uh pnc arts center is a one of the biggest outdoor venues in the state of new jersey so a lot of large bands will pull through and um moshing is particularly attuned to the culture of you know metal punk all the metal genres in between yeah yeah (laughs) um and alternative and rock and long story short this not fest was really weird and if Corey taylor listens to this you guys teamed up with volbeat so you had all these like hardcore edgy guys (laughs) and you literally i i i'm not joking i was there and i saw girls in snapbacks and louis vuitton bags drinking white claws and they're like this is gonna be the best concert ever and i'm like y'all are the same girls that like bullied all like it was so weird it was i was in my metal gear that's weird t-shirt everything and then you had all these preppy girls so it was like all the people that bullied you in high school and all the people that were bullied in high school it was such a weird collaboration that show (laughs) and it's jersey so it was even weirder well yeah jersey's just like you get such a melting pot of and just everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so weird <laughs> sometimes. I I remember being like, I remember being like 16 and going to a show and there was this guy and he was dressed in all the, he looked like he just got out of like a Wall Street office. And he was just in the middle of the mosh pit. I just remember him because he had like a bright orange vest and some bright baby blue like collared shirt and he was just letting all that steam go i guess even wall street guys need to you know let it out sometimes a bit like oh my lord absolutely and yeah so so we've talked about gigs and the different gigs that you've experienced and that we've experienced and how has this pandemic like affected you like can you take us back to when you knew that you were losing your gig? Because I knew that you guys, Feed Me to the Forest for context, had a couple gigs coming up. How did you guys feel about um, losing your gigs? I Honestly, it all happened so quick. The very last gig that we played was supposed to be at Flemington DIY, but ended up getting switched to Zucchini's Pizza very last minute. Um which was very late February because Flemington DIY, I think was like, no, we, you know, we want to take every precaution. That's very fair. And we said, you know, this, this might be it. This might be the last show we play for a while. And we had two bands on tour from Ohio that were coming out too. So I, none of us wanted to bail on them either. So the guys who actually booked the show, booked it at Zucchini's Pizza, we played there. And that was the last gig we had. We were supposed to do something in April. That got canceled. 
we thought about setting up our own basement show, but then a week into the, like a week before, well, no, I'd say heading into the quarantine, it was like, you know, this is probably the worst possible idea. Like, this is not safe, actually. Yeah. Um, so none of us have gotten together, obviously in person, because, you know, obvious reasons, the social distancing to really talk about or express exactly what we're going to do now. Um, <laughs> uh, especially because one of our band members is a first responder too. So it's yeah on the front line, you know? Yeah. So it's definitely, it's a lot of not knowing what we're going to do. Like obviously it's definitely affected all of us in some way. I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't necessarily immediately default to like economically, but in one regard or not, it has affected all of us. Yeah, definitely. And how has this shift changed your art? Like, are you working, are you making more music while you're in quarantine, while you're self-isolating? Have you tried going live? Tell you the truth, I haven't tried going live just because I'm, I'm shy. <laughs> I'm shy to go live by myself. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That, that's a problem. I need to like work on that and get out of that. I have been working on stuff. I just haven't really sat down and recorded it. I was working on an EP for like over a year of just like solo ambient, like electronic stuff. And I think now's the perfect time to kind of just get picked up on that where I left off. So much of what I do in that field though is very improvisational though. So I'll, I'll work for like eight, nine hours on tracks at hand like right then like right then and there you know not really sit and write anything down it's just like okay put this layer this add this oh I have a good idea maybe throw some keyboards over there and sort of mix as I go along so when you're primarily solo this is the creative process yeah yeah mm -hmm. How does because that not being able to get with the guys yeah. We're really sitting on a we don't know exactly what to do situation right now. And a lot of musicians from what just by interviewing people and being around the scene and having a lot of musician friends. Uh, I've heard about this. I don't know if you've heard about this, but a lot of people are saying that uh, recording things over Skype, Zoom, all that, there's a delay. There's like a second delay. And that second messes up a whole song. because. Yeah someone's slightly behind especially if there's a lag yeah uh, it messes it screws everything, everything up. up it makes live tracking very difficult because i know james has said why don't we do it like why don't we do it just over and over and over again and it it's not that simple it just doesn't work in a way almost like it's that you know you're gonna do it the right way or the wrong way <laughs> and, Who's James for, for context? Uh, oh, sorry, James Pawson from uh, Feed Me to the Forest. Yeah. But for, for, for lack of a better wording, I guess that's how I sit on it, where I'm like, I'm not going to do this if there's going to be a delay or a lag. Like, it makes no sense to do it. It's not going to be performed right. Yeah, the pandemic has definitely made a lot of people uh, that would do live shows or primarily base their craft about being surrounded by other people. It's definitely changed the way that we're interacting with each other yeah. as creatives and you know 
for anyone who's a new listener, all of this is recorded via webcam call. It's not, I'm not meeting anyone in person. And that's just one way that, you know, technology's uh, helping us. It's giving these people a platform, but at the same time, uh, it's just not at the level that it needs to be for these people to make their music. Yeah. Absolutely. Well and Yeah. So how have you coped with all this? Because I bet like losing all those gigs and just, you know, losing your sources of income is definitely hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard on me. It's hard for everybody out there though. 100%. And, you know, I'm really good at distracting myself and just kind of shutting off but this is definitely different where like yeah I've shut off but I can't kind of help but definitely feel really upset about this whole situation and but feel the strive to keep working in one way but in another almost feel hopeless (laughs) Well, your feelings are completely valid and you know it's okay to feel a little lost and confused right now I think everybody feels lost and confused because we are all in this together and I mean but again like are you coping with by making like new stuff or are you have you been experimenting um I would definitely say yeah that's probably part of it actually I would definitely say because I have been working on new stuff and that definitely has been good at coping. Yeah. Especially because like when I shut down, I kind of could just lock into what it is I'm doing. Yeah, you, we spoke before the show and you said that you have like a whole collection of all these videos and movies that you're just watching. That too, yeah. But, you- but that that's a big influence on me to keep working on stuff because I... I love film. That was another thing I was supposed to be working on, actually. I got asked to provide a bit of a score for like a short experimental horror film, but it was also going to be in collaboration with one of my friends. Um, And he's the one who initially got asked. And then he asked me if I wanted to do it with him. He was going to send me the M4V, but being that we kind of can't be in the same room together makes it a bit of a task to sit there and work on it especially if we're going to construct it in a very improvisational nature it definitely benefits if it's not online and we're both actually in the same room so one of us could either halt each other and say wait stop mm-hmm. go back do that or you know what's an m4v i'm pretty sure that's the actual film file I'm not quite okay. sure. He just said M4B and I was like, I'm going to pretend like I understand what that is. Okay. I mean, yeah. I was just assuming, I was like, I, I hope I could just drag this into like Ableton or Pro Tools and just kind of work from there. <laughs> yeah. So that's good that you're trying to find, you know, inspiration in the things that you like so much. And everybody's taking a look at this quarantine as a pause. Would you say that you're taking a pause to get back to your creativity or to get back to what inspires you? Um, I would say 
I wouldn't exactly. I feel like that's kind of a 50-50 answer for me because I do consistently work on stuff for me no matter whether I'm working or not because I, I just need to work on things. I have that desire. If I'm not working on anything, I feel utterly useless and like it, it doesn't sit well with me to not work on stuff. What are some movies that you're looking at? Like what's inspiring you right now or videos or films? Uh, some, some of the films I've been watching. Mm-hmm. I watched Edward Yang's uh, Yi Yi yesterday, which is like a three-hour Taiwanese coming-of-age drama film that's about a three-generation family. It begins with a wedding and it ends with a funeral. I'm definitely trying to be vague about it because like, people need to see this movie. Um, and it goes through three generations of family and it's there's not really one single main character. It's the entire family as a whole, including like the in-laws and how the consequences of decisions being made um, affects the whole fam- familial unit as a whole. Wow. I thought that it was a so really beautiful quarantine film. There's a lot that's to it too. Cause I, I mean, the actual actors that are kids were not actors it was literally just like mm-hmm. an actual like eight-year-old boy and 13-year-old girl that play like the kids perspectives of things and this is like the first film they've ever done and they're absolutely incredible in it so i watched oh you i'll definitely put that in the show notes for definitely. people to find it it's edward Lang- um, yang's last film also because then he spent the next seven years battling colon cancer and he passed away so yeah. when you know when you go into it with all of that into it i think the film hits a a little bit harder <laughs> when you get to the yeah. ending. <laughs> I guess I guess that's just a, another thing because I was thinking back to that Slipknot show and I was thinking back about how theatrical metal really is, at least like rock and metal and alternative because, you know, Corey Taylor puts a lot of effort into the direction of those music videos, whether people find them pleasant or not. Um, and I feel that a lot of people get inspiration from music from film you know a lot of people oh, yeah. will go out and say straight up like you know um Bela Lugosi is a really big influence to a lot of bands I can't I don't remember where I heard that but I just know that oh that yeah whole style and I don't know but there's a lot and uh Hitchcock the dark, too oh yeah definitely especially yeah. in that heavier stuff I would say like a lot of dark silent horror stuff Hitchcock. I would say a lot of people really, really love David Lynch, um, especially because he's very mysterious and very experimental. <laughs> yeah. And so are these, you know, inspirations going to bring you into some new projects? Uh, definitely. I, I, I'm trying to incorporate that as much as possible because I really love the thematic tones of films and how it could set music, whether there's actually music in the film or not. I think most films should have film scores and I think it really could elevate what a film is going for. But even then, I think so much of that could really influence what you would do in say a band or even when you're drawing or painting even, like not even music related where it's just like, okay, how does this make you feel in this current moment? Like in this current experience? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, yes, yeah, so Kandinsky was a, I want to say, yes, Wassily Kandinsky, 
Wassily Wassilovich Kandinsky was a Russian painter and art theorist that actually, he was the first guy to incorporate um, music and into paintings and say, this is, it. this made me feel this way, you know? And Kandinsky? I think, yeah, Kandinsky, I'll send you, I'll put him in the show notes so people can understand him. Oh, and okay, please do. I was Wassily, actually just about to write that into my phone, but like, you know, yeah. what, that, that would be better actually. Wassily can go grab it. Wassily, I'm, I'm butchering that first name, but Kandinsky is his last name. He's definitely in like all these big modern museums and he was a very experimental artist, but his, it's just so interesting to listen to the music that he was listening to while painting the paintings and then just being like, wow, this guy made it. Yeah, this guy really made this, yeah. Like that, yeah, of course. (laughs) Uh, Sophomore year Remy listening to Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. (laughs) 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 Painting an art class. Our art teacher allowed us to do like a Kandinsky big painting experiment. So I paint, I put on, because I was a little screamo emo. I, no, goth. No, I mean. I put on. Uh, with bodies to the floor and I just started like painting and like doing drawing I think I just was it, all lines. What, were you painting in a very rough way or was it like actually just very s- subtle and sweet because <laughs> I feel like they could go one of either way <laughs> this is something just really just I don't like remember over the top. I just, just made something <laughs> I don't even remember what it was <laughs> like I'm just like I don't know. Like at at this point, I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll make maybe I'll make something and I'll send it to you. <laughs> please, oh my lord, please. <laughs> yeah. And so so, where do you see yourself in the near future? Like when this whole thing ends. Um. Well, before I got fired, they told me I could get my job back if I reapply. Um once this is all over hopefully i could do that again i don't know how honest they were <laughs> so we'll see um but hopefully when this is all over i'll be at least finished with the semester hopefully i would have made some sort of an ep or just worked on something that i think is ready and presentable yeah honestly as soon as it's over I just want to get back to work immediately like like day job and gigging again you know practicing coming up with new material and do you you think that do you think that you can put together like a little EP a little experimental album during this time I mean, it definitely would be very easy because I could literally just like throw things at the wall <laughs> and just record it and be like, all right, here. But like something I could just really work on. Um, you know, maybe. Yeah. I, I think I could. I think I genuinely have enough drive to actually just sit through, power through something and just put out a reaction like a response I guess definitely I mean everybody's working with limited resources at this point when it comes to uh at least I know a lot of people that are still in school they still use the studios at Bergen 
to record things and play in the MIDI lab. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Not so, anymore. Oh, that's been very strange for having recording classes because it's like sort of getting used to that system where it's like, okay, you're not going to turn in the most um, savvy of projects. And we understand that because resources. <laughs> Is Sue still doing it at Bergen? Yeah, yeah. Professor Sue. <laughs> oh, you had Sue Williams? I had Sue Williams. I was her worst student. I was an animation student and they were making me do things. And she's like, are you deaf? I was like, maybe. <laughs> oh, no. She didn't say that. She was like, these are Oh, because they, what did they make you take? Like sound for visual media as an art? They made yeah. me take something really intense. For, no, it wasn't sound before. Oh, they made you take uh, record, um, beginning recording. That's why you had Sue. Because if you took sound, you would have had take uh, something Dan. Really, they made Sheehan. us and all the animation students take something really intense. And... I was just at the point where I was just like, oh my God, I, I don't grasp. Because let me tell you guys something. And by you guys, I mean my audience. Composing something is so difficult. I don't care if you listen to a genre of music your entire life and you're the biggest fan of whatever band. When it comes to the technicalities of orchestrating songs and putting pulling things together it is so difficult especially if you just never done that before and that's what this class was was basically composing things from scratch and for me for someone who you know I had I have a passion for music in the sense that like I really love a lot of different bands I like a lot of different genres um I I was in choir for you know several years and when I got in front of that computer and she was like, compose something, make something, I was mind blank. So for guys like you, Selman, I have so much respect for. Oh, thank you. Just, you could listen to whatever you want. You could know what you're doing. And sometimes you get in front of a computer, you get in front of an instrument sometimes and you expect to do something, you freeze. You know, that, yeah. goes, for, that goes for anybody or everybody. That goes for people that have been you know, doing this probably for like 25, 30 years, even like that's, that's, you know, that's not an individual feeling. Don't feel, you know, like you were alone in that by any means. Cause that's, yeah, everybody goes through that. <laughs> yeah. But it definitely showed me that, you know, when people mix, it's not just about, it's, it's so much, it's so in depth. Yeah. And, um, our producer, Dane, shout out Dane Wagner. Shout out um, Dane. <laughs> he, you know, he's he's taking all these MP4 files that I'm, MP3 files that I'm sending him and we're basically making MP4 files out of them, but he's going to edit all the mistakes in this podcast. He's going to fix all the background noise. If there's background noise, he's got it. And he's just able, there's just, he goes in, deep into those, technicalities of sound and he can just make it and I'm like oh my god I would have just never known how to do this bless this man he's the sound bless guy man. How, do, how, how, how long does it usually take for you guys to like work on this stuff a day bless you Dane oh my lord <laughs> he's really good oh my he, god <laughs> yeah because I just I'm a graphic designer so I'm able to, to snap and 
whip up the cover and then we use iMovie for the most part for just the output of the podcast on YouTube. Wow. So okay. it, we're working with what we got and WordPress is free and I build websites. So I just built and organized our entire WordPress within a day. <laughs> and then it got better through the week because I found like errors, but you know, that's basically what we're working with. <laughs> you guys need to get paid for this. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody, I wish everybody that comes on. Everybody needs to get, get paid. paid. <laughs> everybody needs to get paid. Every single person deserves a paycheck. I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we will definitely, I mean, we're going to experiment with that in the future. But um, that's great that you're exploring different ways, you know, with um, working what you got. Yeah, working definitely. with what you got. I mean, I think that's definitely what what being creative is about. Sometimes it's like, I right, work with what you got. Yeah. Even if it's minimal or if it's a lot, it's like, okay, work with what you got. If it's minimal, it's even better in one way because it's like, all right, now try different things. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting to the end here. What what are your final thoughts <laughs> that you want to say? Or what's your hope? Where do you see yourself again in the future? And yeah. My hope um, that not just me, but all local artists out here in tri-state area, or just doesn't really matter wherever you're from, that we're able to play gigs again, if not for economic sanction, at least for like emotional validation rather than Absolutely. anything. Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful thought because I want the gigs to come back. I want everybody to go back. And for the to people the that show. are missing them too. <laughs> the people, people that, that don't play but them. miss them. <laughs> remember, remember those days where you could turn down going to your friend's really bad show? <laughs> yeah, you regret it now, huh? I'm just kidding. All my friends are very talented musicians, but my schedule as a designer is sometimes really bad. <laughs> so no, it's just like yeah. awful but listen real life you know reality gets in the way a lot of for absolutely. a lot of things you know it's, it's never to be held against people absolutely so thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode with christopher selman thank you thank you for having me and yeah so we'll see you again next time see you Thank you for listening to the Gigless Podcast, hosted by Remy Leibovic and produced by Dane Wagner. The song used for our intro and outro is Beach Walk by Unicorn Heads. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to our social media pages on Instagram at Gigless Podcast and our website, giglesspodcastblog.wordpress.com. There, you can find out more about the artist, contact the host and producer, and find out more about our schedule. Thank you.